1: So that brings us to the player side of it, right? Because these two things obviously uh, coexist. Um, when you have clear ideas about the the X's and O's, you have clear ideas of what you need to make it actually work on the field from a player department, and specifically quarterback development. And that's been an interesting journey for Kyle in San Francisco, uh, and one that Washington is about to embark on. So, what? Like, I, I think it's fascinating because people. Like this wasn't a straight line. They look at Purdy, and everyone wants to, yep. you know, critically acclaim Kyle for turning Pur- Purdy into what he is right now. But like that was, they found this by accident. They yep. drafted him because they liked him, but they traded up a ton of stuff for Trey Lance and took him with the number three pick. Clearly, that was the guy they wanted. Yep. Um, but yeah. But they've had more success with Garoppolo, more success, the most success with Purdy. So, what is it about the way that they built it there? Um, QB and system development, that that wound up being the right choice and not a guy like Trey Lance, who has you know far more physical tools and ultimately they trade away for next to nothing to the Dallas Cowboys two and a half years or whatever it was after they draft him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a really good question. And when you look at it, I think I heard someone describe it like this, like basically like 60 or 70%, depending on who the quarterback is of the offensive production is like Kyle Shanahan and how he coaches it and how he kind of schemes stuff up. And the extra 30% of the offensive production resides with the quarterback. And it's really hard to kind of get numbers to support that, you know, like that perspective. But like one of the most glaring ones is they are 32nd in the league in pass attempts, but they are second in your in, in receiving yards for the team. So like that is we're not throwing the ball a ton. We've deleveraged the quarterback tremendously. And that's this is what we're talking about, right? Like Brock Purdy's playing excellent football, right? He's playing excellent football. He's doing the right stuff. He's playing at a high level. Like, you watch him and you're like, man, that's a huge, that's a big-time throw. <clears throat> that's a tight window throw. That's a great opportunity. But I think what it, what it is is he doesn't have to do it all the time. And what that allows you to do is basically say, like, I've schemed this play up." We were watching a play the other day where they're running, like, a counter action. They got a puller coming. They got a tight end coming back. The linebackers step up. And you get Debo Samuels, who's probably a top-10 receiver in the NFL, with nobody within 10 yards of him. And Brock Purdy has to make a nice throw kind of later in there. But like, it's not this high leverage. Like, do I have to fit this in a tight window? Do I have to anticipate this at a high level? No. And I think when you give the quarterback kind of some layups, and that to me is a layup, giving him a layup. Then when it's time to make the big time throw, which is four or five times a game, they're ready. They're not <clears throat> in this like high leverage situation. I think when you look at Brock Purdy last year, uh, He was a system quarterback. He was elevated by the system. And they developed him enough over the last year where now he's in a position where he can make some of those high leverage plays and elevate the offense that extra 30%. Because I I think I've said this before, there were times where defenses we'd play like had us figured out and we didn't have a solution because we didn't get any elevation from the quarterback. And now when you look at them, when you look at the 49ers, you get that elevation from the quarterback position. But that took a year of kind of, Sitting in, sitting in a in a kind of I don't, not a holding pattern, but a nurturing position, understanding that was a weakness for the offense, and then getting you where you needed to go. And I also think that the way that they've selected talent for the roster, and you know, I think what it was, Debo Samuel, second round pick, third round pick, something like that.
1: Yeah, I think but, it was second.
2: Yeah, second round pick. And everyone was a little bit weary of his size, but speaking to what he does well and saying, we want guys that are great after the catch. George Kittle, great after the catch. Brandon Ayuk, great after the catch. Um, and then finding ways to maximize them with screens, with little kind of choice option routes and let those guys work for you, I think are also kind of, again, layups for the quarterback. And there's a reason that they're so explosive offensively. It's because they have went out and found guys that can maximize after the catchability. And I think that's, again, it's, it's a total offensive perspective, but again, it all comes back to this. We're insulating the quarterback with the talent we've acquired with the game plan. And we're going to let him kind of marinate and develop for a year and let him kind of blossom into this player that we're seeing now.
1: Right. And this has been my philosophy the whole time and my big criticism of what they've done with Sam or what they did with Sam. Now that he's been benched is like, you can't, the best way to to develop a quarterback is to let him feel success and see more things without having to do it, right? Like let's let's make sure that he only has to make ten big time decisions every single game instead of twenty five, and the chances that he makes a mistake, even if they're the same, result in less mistakes. Let's say he makes you know a, per, a mistake on twenty percent, and maybe that's a you know just an incompletion or a bad right. read. Maybe it's an interception or he takes a sack that he shouldn't. Whatever. Well, if there's ten dropbacks, that's two plays a game. Right. If there's twenty-five, now I've got to do math. math uh four, yeah. that's five. Uh that's five. Uh, cause twenty-five percent, yeah, five, five, or twenty percent. The point is it's five. Um <laughs> mistakes. And so that that's very, very, very significant in the course of a game. And so and the chances are that the percentage is probably gonna go up because you're gonna wind up in bad down at distances, you're gonna wind up in worse situations, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a it's a situation where i think they've done it the right way. You know, we we've talked about insulating the quarterback. The the word that i've started using as well, Logan, is incubating the quarterback. Yeah. Like, do you do you find a way to make it so that he can develop along the way and i think they've done that with Purdy as well as anyone. But i think the other side of that is they absolutely understand what he's good at and what he's capable right. of. And this is another thing that I don't know what the the situation is with Howell because I'm not in meetings with him. I don't have that, that level of access. But they understand, Kyle understands predominantly, that Purdy is incredibly bright. And so they are willing to put a lot on him in terms of verbiage, in terms of moving guys around, in terms of all of that stuff, that EB was like, no, we're not doing that with Sam. And I don't know whether it was the right move or not, but it was like... You know what what wound up happening here is you have the aaron Rodgers. let's line up and play and that is really hard whereas purdy goes to the line every play with two plays a chance to get into an optimal one a tell on man versus zone um you know and probably a favorable matchup that's easy to identify because he's got great skill players all over the place and understanding that he can handle that neural load that mental load even if it's going to result in him turning around and handing the ball off more than any other quarterback in the league, um, is is something that Kyle realized early with Brock and and has allowed him to come along in a great way. And I don't think that necessarily happened here. And that discrepancy is is again part of the incubation process. It's like what do we actually put on the guy, um, and and how does that uh, how does that uh, translate into risk versus what happened here where there was a lot more risk, I think, uh, put on the quarterback.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting because <clears throat> when you look at it, I think early in the season, you say, wow, like Sam was really successful and he's making all these big time throws. I think he led the league in big time throws through like week 11 or something like that. I don't remember the exact statistic, but he's playing good football, you know? And I think the thing, when you look at, we mentioned like Brock Purdy's got this, um, this ability to, uh, What's what I'm looking for? Like, he he makes big-time throws. He makes big-time plays. Gives his guy's opportunities. Makes tight-window throws. But, you know, like, when you look at the explosive play ratio, and this was something really interesting. I was talking to Sam Fortier about this last night, is the San Francisco 49ers are, like, number one in the NFL in explosive plays. An explosive play rate for sure. And then the Commanders are, like, 10th. So they're not that far off. It's pretty close, right? But there's been a huge decrease in explosive plays, you know, over the last five or six weeks from Sam, as Sam's not played well. And one of the biggest differences or the glaring differences between the first half of the season and what we've seen recently from Sam is his inability to find these explosive plays, right? And so you were talking about incubating a quarterback, and I think this is so relevant because obviously Sam showed an ability to do some really good, high-level stuff, big-time stuff that's really exciting, and it keeps me excited about him going into next year. But one of the things about the San Francisco offense is that big play rate is more sustainable long-term because of the scheme there. And you hit on some of the things that they do really well. But like when you have, like, for example, you're watching the New York Giants game from earlier this year and they throw a screen, you know, it's a five-yard route. You know, not even, it's like a at the line of scrimmage route. I think the depth of targets like 0.5 yards. And Debo Samuel takes 65 yards for a touchdown. Like that is an opportunity through game plan, through scheme of me elevating him. We mentioned all the play action stuff that they do. That's elevating those guys. And again, when you see their open explosive plays, they're they're I don't want to say they're easy throws, but they're easier throws
1: than what they're definitely. So I've got I've got his passing depth, Brock Purdy's up yeah. right now, PFF. Um, he has a ninety eight point seven PFF grade on deep throws this year. Yeah, he has he's twenty eight of forty five. He's averaging twenty yards an attempt. He's got ten touchdowns, one pick. Uh, 15 big time throws on, again, so 15 out of 45 big time throws on deep stuff. Right. Like that's, you shouldn't be able to be successful at that rate. That tells right. you that these guys are running wide open.
2: No, and I think that's right. And so like when you say, like, what's the difference? Like it's just finding an environment where that quarterback can continually have success at a high level. You need him to make plays. I think this is something someone said to you is like, you need to play the quarterback position. Yes. Yes. Can we offload some of these like super high leverage? I got to identify the blitzer. He's in my face. I got to read this out. I got to hit this ball perfectly in the right spot. Like, I think about that New England game where he gets that completion of Terry and there's a runner in his face. He gets hit in the chest. It's right over Terry's shoulder. There's a defender right here. And there just not has, there haven't been the same kind of opportunities as you see in San Francisco or Detroit or some of these other places that understand how. And I guess the other thing that's so interesting about San Fran. Is they see the, the highest number of eight man boxes in the NFL. So, what does that mean? It means you've put a worse coverage player on the field. You're playing more kind of run centric fronts and you can create space more reticently in the back end. But, and this is something you talked about earlier is like, where's that tipping point in EPA per play, for example, where we're running the ball, but we're also getting, we're maximizing what we're getting out of it. You know, we're maximizing our passes. And I feel like when you look at San Fran, like that's what they're doing. They basically run the ball enough. To dictate to the defense, because one of the things that's so brilliant about what's, what's happening in the NFL right now is defenses are like, people want to throw the ball. Let's play coverage. And basically the San Francisco 49ers are saying, we are not going to let you play coverage. And then when we get the box structure that we want and the coverage structure that we want, we're going to throw the ball. Like that's essentially, it's it's like this arcane old school approach to you know, football, it's like run the ball to throw, but that's essentially what they're doing. And I think the thing about it that makes a lot of sense to me is when you watch Shan Fran, the way they cultivate the angles in the run game, it allows them to be successful against these eight and eight man They have the highest success rate versus eight man run, run, run structures in the NFL. So like they take time to make sure they're good at that because it sets up this explosive stuff down the field. And I think that's one of the things when you look at Brock Purdy, And the system that they're in compared to sam is sam is out there man he's leveraged as far as he can be leveraged i think is from a quarterback standpoint and you look at brock purdy and it's like the complete opposite and so if you can get a system in that supports sam at a higher level and again i don't want to sound like i'm being critical of eb here because i think eb does some stuff that's super high level like even watching the jets game like man that's a brilliant concept that's but it's is it the right thing for this player at this point in his career and right. that's the question I think we've been asking ourselves the entire year.
1: Yeah, I did, I did finally go back to my notes and actually look, uh, week three was when I started going like, hey, I think, yeah. I think we're running the ball too much. I know there's been some success. Passing the ball too much, this right? Is, uh, or passing the ball too much. Yeah, I think, I think this is gonna be a problem. And uh, but, uh, it, it sure has been.
3: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
2: But I think that's the other thing, just to kind of piggyback on that point, is we are not saying run the ball to run the ball. We are saying efficiently run the ball to dictate a certain response to the defense and then get the result you want in the passing game. Put it another
1: way, it's like take what the defense gives you. Yeah. Right? Like that is always a a phrase that crosses sports. You know, we talk about it in basketball all the time, we talk about it in football. Like, take what the defense gives you. It's not modern even that. NFL defenses are giving you running fo- running the football easily. So just take it it's not until even they that. stop and
2: then they'll give you something else. It's not even that it's, it's even like a little bit. It's like, you're trying to, in a certain, in a certain sense, you're trying to dictate to the defense. You're trying to say like, we are, this is who we are offensively. We are going to do this. And I think the other thing we have to call attention to here is they can feel comfortable running the football the way they run it because their defense is so good. So they can have a three and out. I was going to get to that. And yeah. also
1: the guy running it is Christian McCaffrey.
2: And, and everyone mocked that decision to bring him in. But when you look at what he does, like I was, I was watching all their explosive runs. I did that a couple days ago. First off, beautiful scheme. Almost every single play is beautiful scheme. Like the way they use the receivers to create angles for the offensive line. Like it's great, man. They do a great job of that. But Christian McCaffrey always makes the first guy miss. Like, I don't know what his like force miss tackle rate is, but it's got to be one of the highest in the NFL. Like, every single time there's a free runner in the hole, he makes that dude miss. And it's just like, that is what that gives you. And it, it keeps you on schedule. The, the right player in conjunction with the right scheme gives you this ability to basically say like, this is our offensive identity and we're going to dictate defensive structures to the defense and get them out of these really, you know, Matt Ryan was on the podcast and you always call attention to this, like these amorphous too high coverage structures, quarter six, quarter six, whatever matches match types of coverages that we get <clears throat> are really hard to throw in. Cause you don't know what you're looking at. And when you get Sam, I think over the last three or four weeks, you can tell he's a little bit confused about what the defense is presenting. When you run the ball like this and you have to play single high, all those kind of unusual coverage structures evaporate. And they're getting that at 36%. That's the highest rate in the NFL. So that's unbelievable. And so think about the easy opportunities that are cultivated out of that. It's, it's, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's just hard to kind of build your team to do that in today's NFL. It takes a lot of work
1: too. So for sure, Um, there's a great moment. And again, like to the personnel point, there's a great moment on hard knocks this week where the dolphins are driving to close out the game against the Cowboys when they're, they're going down to kick the game winning field goal. And there's a third and two situation and they wind up calling a screen to Tyreek and McDaniels like talking to it through it. He, they called a timeout before the play talking to Tyreek and they were, you could you could tell the level of communication and the detail. They, they like, hey, if you get this, like it's on. We're going for yes. it. If it's not, it's this. And like Tua, they've got him mic'd. He goes up like before the the snap, and he's like, it's man, we've got it. Like we're good. And then they they do the little short like walking motion with Tyreek yeah. to make sure he gets a free release and that the the. DBs aren't set they walk the DBs right into where they want them for the receivers to be able to block right. and then Tyreek Hill's got to get two yards and it's yeah. a race and who wins races Tyreek Hill does right. and so again like the, this philosophy of like mm-hmm. right player right time right scheme that is that's the epitome the 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 pinnacle of offensive football in the NFL right now And I think that's why both of us feel pretty strongly that like going that direction as the next head coach and you know who that person is we'll see from your ben johnson's to your bobby slowicks to your frank smiths to you know is there someone on this you know is it brian greasy on the san francisco staff um you know like there's there's definitely a lot of people around the nfl who think this way now and but i think what separates kyle and what always has is his attention to detail to see the potential fail points and sure them up before you ever get there um and then obviously Get getting the vision of the right players, communicating that with the front office and all the stuff we've talked about over the, the last half hour. Um, and the last piece of that uh, as well is is the defense, right? Like, yeah. you know, understanding what they need defensively to make their systems work. And, right. you know, understanding that like Fred Warner is the right guy for them and uh, how to use him to to unlock this magical defense that they've had know putting the right emphasis up front with bosa and having you know the power of a star edge rusher and what that does they've Mm -hmm. been tremendous scouting on the back end whether it's hofunga or or some of the other corners that are probably a little bit underrated um hofunga at this point like maybe some people don't still don't know him because he's a safety who plays for the niners but like and he's obviously out right now like he's gotten the recognition that he deserves i think he was an all-pro last year if not certainly Mm -hmm. a pro bowler so they've got guys at all three levels and a philosophy that is repeatable and is passed down from Sala to Ryan's, you know, now to Steve Wilkes, that they've had the continuity and success on that side of the ball, which Kyle understands the importance of. And I think what's interesting too, by the way, on the offensive versus defensive head coach thing, um, I heard Grant Paulson talk about this the other, actually, no, he said this on a, on the, the Take a Man pregame show on Sunday, mm. um, because I asked him like, hey, if Tomlin becomes available, if sala becomes available if you know one of these elite defensive guys were to become available as a head coach i mean and obviously like dan quinn is, is going to be out there as a defensive coordinator uh who's going to get a head coaching job do you want them and he's like no yeah. and the reason why is because not only historically over the last i think it's 20 years have offensive head coaches had better offenses they've actually had better defenses too yeah. which good luck explaining that but it just it just the way I think you f- think about football as an offensive mind is different than the way you think about it defensively, um, and that apparently leads to being a better head coach. So if you have a defensive head coach who thinks about football like an offensive mind, then sure, bring them on. Well, I think uh, that's—I that's, mean, I think I'm an offensive one of, guy.
2: One of the benefits of having you know, like a D'Amico, Ryan's, like a guy that have again, Robert Sala, I think to a large to a large extent, the same thing. Dan Quinn, you mentioned him. They are thinking about defense in a way that is innovative and they understand like that it's an offensive driven league. And I think there's some defensive coaches that have this very traditional perspective of like, you got to run the ball, possess, we win the, we win games with defense and that's totally shifted. Now defense is a supplemental aspect to offensive football. And I think making sure that those coaches, and I think those coaches I just mentioned understand this, how important that offensive coordinator higher than becomes is so, so critical. And it's not just the offensive coordinator. Does your offensive line coach match that like really overseeing that process? Like I was very fortunate to talk to Dan Quinn. He was like, that was something that I wish I would have done a little bit better after Kyle left is really found that next guy. And cause that, that's the thing that drives the offense. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that makes it go. And then making sure those hires are the right thing. And I think that's something we talked about with Kyle and how he just seems to have a knack for a developing and b identifying. But I think if you, if you know that that's something that's so critical, lean into that, make that work for you. So I do do think there are defensive coaches that I would be very confident in hiring because of that perspective. But I do think to Grant's point, it is an offensive driven league. Playing against good offenses in practice every single day is so important. Like when you watch the 49ers defense, their ability to match concepts, they don't do a lot of overly complicated stuff defensively. They play quarters, little three, little two, kind of what you're seeing around the league right now but they have an awesome pass rush. They've developed a system and an identity for that group and found rules that allow them to just tee off. And they match the crap out of concepts in the back end at a super high level because everyone knows what they're doing. And you got to play really good offensive football to beat that. And I think that's kind of to your point. So,
1: so there is uh, both the most and least comprehensive game preview we've done all year. A total <laughs> a total uh, review of the San Francisco 49ers operation. Uh, but also a little bit of, of you know, how it actually matches up with the Commanders coming up on Sunday.